behind the glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Rick. This is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. Darn tootin'. Rick is all worried because he's like, I don't have any of my notes up. I don't have the notes up. Fun secret, Rick. (laughs) I never have the notes up. (laughs) Just living on the edge over there. I always have like everything we're gonna talk about pulled right up. I know, I know, man. It's 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 okay, man. We're gonna we're gonna get through this together. Okay, together because uh, well, I already have my notes up, so that was that wasn't hard. Um, also your notes are wrong because we tasted the Kentucky Cobbin last week and we were supposed to taste that this week, but I had it all. What have you done? Well, I really wanted to taste the Kentucky Common because I wanted to drink it. Okay, so, so wood-aged is what we're looking for. We are talking about wood-aged beers okay. today. Um, but before we get too deep into that, Rick, what have you been up to beer-related lately, man? Not a lot, dude. No? Um, no. <laughs> well, why not, dude? It's, I mean, I poured a new one. You poured me one. And... That's true. And we lost there our peanut go. gallery. Our peanut gallery had to go home and play with we dogs did. or something. Yeah, Matt left. <laughs> so he's like, I don't understand the words that you're saying. <laughs> Apparently we talk some, some sort of weird jargon. I would figure after six years of DOO, he would have figured it out by now. <laughs> Since we do talk about beers on every DOO. Every episode. <laughs> like... And you don't hold back on, like, talking about the specifics of it. No, I don't, because why would I? <laughs> How else are people going to learn? He hasn't learned anything. It's like learning a new language. You need to immerse yourself in the... Exactly. Uh, Spanish immersion. Yep. Dude, I, like I've been... I picked up uh, picked up Spanish again. Like, I really want to learn Spanish. It's one of my goals in life. And so, like, I really, yeah. I really picked it up again uh, this past week. I felt motivated, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. Didn't you take German in high school, though? Yeah, yeah, but then I went to the Caribbean. Oh, sure. Like, Puerto Rico, man. Oh, yeah, That place yeah. was amazing. And, like, the people, the food. Well, let's be honest. The reason that most people took Spanish or German in our high school was the teacher, not the language. Oh, no, 100% the teacher. <laughs> he did not care. We watched Simpsons the entire time. It had German <laughs> subtitles. Hair I remember closet. very little German. Remember a lot of Simpsons. I took all Spanish and I don't remember any of it. Right. But. Yeah, well, it's one of those things you either you you use it or you lose it. Yeah, kind of deal. The, that's the thing. Yeah. I took f- four years of Spanish and I was pretty good at it, and then didn't use it ever again. Yeah. And so now I don't remember. Well, I found much so I, I'm using this. Uh, that we're gonna get off on a little bit of a tangent, guys. Sorry, sorry, but I. It's something I'm going through, so maybe you guys will be interested in it too. Uh, so, I, like, I was looking through a bunch of stuff from this uh, this company uh, um, online, uh, Fluencia. I've never heard um, of that. It's like it's it's basically like uh, takes you through like the first year year or two of like high school Spanish. Okay. Like you know, just on a deep like, and so like I'm I'm burning through that. I'm listening to Spanish podcasts to and from work. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, so like th- between that... Doing full immersion then. Well, kind of. So like I'm, I'm doing like Spanish learning podcasts to and from work. Oh, okay. So as you know, it's teaching things. But I have some like some like Spanish news podcasts that I'm like, as soon as I can like start to understand sentences fully, <laughs> I'm going to start diving into that. Uh, but like the biggest thing I've learned is there's a huge difference between Mexican and Latin American Spanish 
and uh, uh, like España Spanish. Yeah, right. Like, like they Spain. lisp. They lisp bad. <laughs> so like, you know, uh, I'm uh, like like cine, right? Like you know, going to the going to the movies, you yep. know, like cine. Well, in so it's C I N E. So in in Spain, they they pronounce it cine, cine, cine. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! So like the podcasts I'm listening to are España Spanish, right? And like I'm learning Latin American Spanish because that's way more applicable to my life, right? <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time with Spaniards. We spend no. a lot of time with like like Hispanic. Yeah, people. yeah. And so it's just it, I don't know, it, like stuff like that. But then uh, I found this uh, place. Or this website, it's called like Italki, and basically you can you can hire like uh, um, like teachers and stuff for like online lessons, like video chat lessons. Okay. And do like you know like full immersion where like depending on what level you're at, you could just like you know be like, hey, you know, here's five bucks an hour. Let's just have a conversation in Spanish. Gotcha. Or like they they literally have every language you could possibly want to learn on there. That's awesome. Yeah. So hey, I want to try it. Cool little thing for you guys. Not really beer related, but kind of beer related because there's a lot of beer in other countries. And if I understood, uh, go. If, well, if I understood French when I was in Belgium, I feel like I could have gotten a lot more beer information out of it. That's probably true. Uh, yeah. So not knowing French kind of held me back just a little bit. <laughs> so if you're going to do any beer world traveling, at least bone up on the language a little bit. Don't be a bonehead like me there and show up with English. <laughs> I have this one. It's the only one I have. I mean, I know you speak it, but you're not endeared to me in any way. Because <laughs> I speak it with a very American accent. <laughs> I like spaghetti. <laughs> At least it's not Southern. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to be diving in here pretty quick. Uh, talking about our Belgian pale ale, I should probably uh, finish up the Kentucky Common, huh? Yeah, I should too. Kentucky Common. It's so good, though. Oh, it's quite delightful. Really, really enjoyable. So the Belgian Pale Ale is a beer we should have tried two months ago. Yeah. It's been ready for a while. And fun fun story about this is I was I almost dumped the keg. Yeah. I, like, it had been sitting around for so long, I thought, like, people had hit it. That's not what we want yet. We want the one in the pitcher. Sorry, I like I didn't want you to pre-pop that bottle. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, but saw yeah, so, something next to me. And- yep. Yeah, so so the keg, it's been sitting around for a while, and I was like, oh, I thought we already tasted this. So I was like, getting get ready to dump it, and then I checked my notes. And I'm like, oops, we have not. <laughs> so I did not dump it, thank God. I, did, I Luckily, I hadn't even pulled the keg upstairs. I just threw it into the kegerator right away, being like, this is what we need now. Yeah, fortunately, we still have it. Yep. It did not get dumped. Where's that beer? There it is. All right, perfect. So, uh, as you can see on the beer cam, uh, there's a beer there. Uh, For those of you who don't know, if you become a patron at the $5 level, you get access to all of our shows on live stream, including this beautiful one here. Um, Yeah, uh, you should do that. It's pretty great. And you guys can interact directly with us during the shows if you listen live. Yeah. doesn't look like we have anybody chat in the chat right now, but that could change at any moment, and this show could take a Especially drastic change. Especially if you do it. Especially if you do it. You. 
Yeah, I'm talking to you. You know who I'm talking about. Listener. George. Yeah, George. Become yeah. a patron. You know you want to. I'm talking to you right now. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Paul. Oh dude, I mean Paul. Paul's busy. Paul is like he's trying to get his workout in, trying to work off that beer no, guy. No, no, no. Paul, Paul, you can do it. I believe you can do it, but you can also become a patron as well. Really hope there was some dude Paul work listening to us while working that out. Would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> He'd just be like, What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this uh, OG on this was 10.52, finished out at 10.10, uh, coming in around 5.5%. We used eight pounds of Belgian pale ale, one pound of Belgian Munich, and one pound of Belgian biscuit malt. Uh, and then for hops, uh, we used one ounce of Styrian Goldings at 60 minutes and half an ounce of Styrian Goldings at 30 so as far as what we're looking for with this beer, uh, this is style 24B in the BJCP style guidelines. It's not really Belgian ale category. Overall impression, we're looking for a moderately malty, somewhat fruity, easy drinking, copper colored Belgian ale. That was a lot of adjectives. Uh, <laughs> that is somewhat less aggressive in flavor profile than many other Belgian beers. The malt character tends to be a bit biscuity with a light toasty honey-like or caramelly component. Uh, the fruit character is noticeable and complementary to the malt. The bitterness level is generally moderate, but may not seem as high due to the flavorful malt profile. One of the best Belgian beers I had while I was in Belgium was a Belgian pale ale uh, made by De Havman. It's the one that they made for Bruges. Uh, basically translates to the Jester of Bruges, uh, and it was really good. Wonderful. Yeah, that was uh, just so a fun little anecdote. 24B Belgian ale. Yeah, while you were pulling it up. You got yeah, it? All right. I got it. Um, moderate malt aroma, which can be a combination of toasty, biscuity, or nutty, possibly with a touch of light caramel or honey. Moderate to moderately high fruitiness with an orange or pear-like character. Low to moderate strength hop character, lightly herbal or floral, optionally blended with background level peppery, spicy phenols. The hop character is lower in balance than the malt and the fruitiness. I get uh, like a nutty caramel. Nuttiness, yeah, for sure. Yeah. A little toasty. Um, a lot of pear. I do get I do get a good amount of pear in there with like the nuttiness and the caramel. It's kind of like trail mix. It kind of is along those lines if they use chunks of pear. And stuff. Well, yeah, it's like it's like dried fruit, yeah, and nuts, yeah, like if maybe like a crouton. Chunks of pear dried up instead of raisins in trail mix. This would be right along those lines. Yeah. Um, hmm. Interesting. Get a little bit of hops. Not much. It's fairly low. Yep. It's pretty supportive. I really like the aroma of this beer. It smells nice. It's not super Belgian-y. No. I mean, there, there's a little bit of, like, phenols, but that's not much. No, and it trends... Like, it doesn't go toward banana. No, it goes towards that pear. It goes toward pear. And it doesn't... Yeah. It, like, it doesn't get, like, wicked Belgian-y, like what we normally experience in the U.S. Like Yeah. That orange banana 
clove, like clove, like that. All the flavors at once. Assault on your senses. Assault. It doesn't do that. It has like this nice rounded, like pear, uh, caramelly. Yeah, no, it's flavor. It's pretty good. All right, Um, let's talk. Appearance. appearance? Yeah. I'm going to give this a thumbs up on aroma. Yeah. Aroma I, for, I forgot awesome. we were doing that for a second. Appearance. Uh, amber, de, or no, that, that is me. Uh, amber to copper in color. Clarity is very good. Creamy, rocky white head often fades more quickly than other Belgian beers. I will say that the head on this did f- dissipate a lot faster than it I did. expected. Yeah. Oh, wow. The clarity on this is really good. Yeah, it's very clear. I mean, that's probably, uh, you know, because it's been sitting around for a couple of months. Yeah. Not quite. There's a little bit of chill haze. A little but bit. Not much. Yeah. Not if you quite see it through beer cam. If I get it up here on the right. Not quite as clear as the clear. Kentucky Common, but it's also a little darker, which is yeah. going to be harder to see through on cam, mm-hmm. um, and just in general. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'd I'd say it's copper in color. Yeah. Look at that. You can't hear you. Yeah. If you look on like the beer cam it's pretty clear no you're blowing it out again well i know but it's it's clear is what i'm saying like you can see the light through it a lot if you come in at the side you get a better idea Mm -hmm. yeah because then you can see the logo through it yeah so it's pretty clear um yeah it works pretty well yeah um, fits the appearance pretty well i think all right i'm gonna give that a thumbs up let's talk flavor dude Let's do some flavor. Has an initial soft, smooth, moderately malty flavor with a variable profile of toasty, biscuity, nutty, light caramel, and or honey notes. Moderate to moderately high fruitiness. Sometimes orange or pear-like. Relatively light, medium-low to low, spicy, herbal, or floral hop character. The hop bitterness is medium-high to medium-low and optionally enhanced by low to very low amounts of peppery phenols. There is a dry to balanced finish with hops becoming more pronounced in the aftertaste of those with the drier finish. Fairly well balanced overall with no single component being high in intensity. Malt and fruitiness are more forward in initially with a supportive bitterness and drying character coming on late. Wow. Um, so... One thing about going into the 80s style challenge that I like that has been proven wrong and wrong again is I started with I don't like Belgian beers. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Wrong again. Wrong again. Wrong again, friend. Wrong again. This is a this is I mean, man, it is smooth. It is like it's it's caramel and like uh What's what's the word? It's it's not a uh uh what's the thing that you get with coffee? That's like the burnt biscuit. Uh I for whatever reason like, like toastiness or roast. Oh, no, no, it's, it's like a uh biscotti. Oh yeah, yeah. It has like a biscotti yeah. flavor to it. Um like and then yeah. they like it's it's like a caramel biscotti and then right after that you get this like pear like this like sweet pear fruitiness followed by this really like almost like herbal tea note yeah 
And then it's just dry with a lingering, uh, like, sweet, spicy note that's like, well, you need more of that. Yeah. No, it's like my my very favorite. Like, I can't have it with my diet and stuff. My very favorite treat is Biscoff. Like the, it's like a... The airplane cookie. Yeah. I love Biscoff, and it's got like that biscotti flavor. Like that almost burnt caramel flavor. Mm-hmm. Which... And that's this, what this is. This has like in spades, and it's amazing. Um, it has like, yeah, like Biscoff, biscotti flavor... And then, like you said, like that weird pear note that comes in that if you said, like, mix your favorite cookie with pear, like, that'd be great. You'd be like, no. I'd be like, no, that's stupid. That'll kill me. Don't do that. I will die. That's really dumb. But it actually works really well with this beer. Yeah. Um, So it, like, balances out. Like, that biscotti character comes down. On the back end. And then it's like pear. But really natural pear flavor. It's not like a f- like a fake pear. It's like a really natural pear flavor. Mm-hmm. Like I bit into a pear. Yep. And that's... Or, no, it's, it's more like canned pears, I would say. That have been sitting like a sugar syrup for a bit. I don't think so. I, not to me, at least. Uh, I get. I guess I'm getting like I'm picking up more on the sweetness then. No, it tastes to me like a fresh pear with skin on, but it's that four flavor that's creating the sugariness. Okay, to me. I um, see that. Because I feel like the flavor of pear is altered when it sits in sugar, and this feels like a really natural pear flavor that shines through the background. That's affected by, like, the biscotti sweetness. Oh, this is a good beer. I really like this beer. It's it's fairly I'm so glad that too. I did not dump it down the drain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would like, have made me very, very sad. It's a pretty complex beer that is very pleasing to drink. Yeah. It's weird. It's not... Oh, it's, it's not a normal beer that we get around here. No, I don't know if I've ever... Well, I take that back. I have had beers like this. But not around here. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have. Yes. Um, yeah, this is a very interesting beer that's actually really good. I I really like I'm the flavor. I'm very happy with this beer. Uh, mouthfeel, medium to light, or medium to medium light body, smooth palate, alcohol level is restrained. Any warming character should be low if present at all. Not getting any warming character. No. Uh, medium to medium high carbonation, medium carb, uh, no. medium, medium body. carb, medium body, yeah. It's yeah. This uh, is a pretty thumbs medium up all beer the, across the board. All the way. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, this beer is a winner. I'd I would I will drink this more. I will too until it is gone. Mm-hmm. And then I will cry and shed a single tear because I don't have six more kegs waiting to go on. <laughs> and then we'll find another beer that we like and put it on and Right. Well that's the, that's the other problem is I keep finding all these beers that I like and I'm like, when am I gonna brew these again? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like at we least have to, we have the rest. Like we have to keep doing this show. Like <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. I have to keep doing this show. 
because you're going to be dead. Yeah, I'm going to die. Hey, Rick, uh, uh, I mean, if, if, you, if, you, if you stay, I'll keep making you beer, man. Like. Now he's in bargaining. <laughs> we talked about this last episode. He was going to move into bargaining pretty soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's talk about some wood age beer, eh? I would, I would be happy to. All right. Um, so Let me pop this. So this this is very important. Uh, there's 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 the preamble to uh, 33A wood aged beer. Um, this style is intended for beer uh, aged in wood without added alcohol character from previous use of the barrel. Bourbon barrel or other similar beer beer should be entered as specialty wood aged beer, um, which that's fine. This is like we just need to keep that in mind. Also, the uh, the beer that we have is close to a recommended style, but it's a variant of a recommended style, and this one has vanilla added, so we'll keep that in mind when we're when we're talking yep. about it. I gotta finish this real quick. Okay. And then I'll... I, I, just whenever you're ready, I'm ready to go. All right. There you go, you just pounded it. Well, you know, I, had, I also had to do some talking here. Yeah. All right. Um, Rick, when you get a second, you just wanna uh, let, her, let the folks know what, what beer we're drinking there? Absolutely. So I'm gonna, or maybe it, set that in front of the beer cam there I am. too. That's what I was gonna. Yeah. Do. I'm gonna put it on the beer cam. So it is. Uh, How about you read it first and then put it on the beer cam? Yeah. So the folks listening it's, don't get a don't get a detracted experience. <laughs> it's vanilla aged or vanilla oak aged Yeti. It's an imperial stout. Stout with spices added. It's from Great Divide Brewing Company. Um, so if you've got. Yep. So the the wood aged or the the oak aged Yeti, like just the standard Yeti, is the uh, style. Yeah. And I couldn't find that, so I was like, well, this one just has vanilla being added. Right. So it's close enough where I think we could, we should be able to pull the base beer out of there. Right. If we just yeah. ignore the vanilla. Like we've we've all had vanilla bean beers. Uh, you and I have had vanilla yeah. bean beers that we've compared to the base style, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Exactly. Um, so yeah, if you're looking on the Patreon um, and seeing, you're seeing the label here on the beer cam. All right. Um. So yeah, it's vanilla oak aged Yeti. Yeti. From Great Divide. All right. Overall impression here: we're looking for a harmonious blend of the base beer style with characteristics from aging in contact with wood. The best examples will be smooth, flavorful, well balanced, and well aged. Yeah. Aroma we're looking for. Uh, it varies with base style. A low to moderate wood or oak-based aroma is usually present. Fresh wood can occasionally impart raw green aromatics, although this character should never be too strong. Other optional aromatics include low to moderate vanilla, caramel, toffee, toast, or cocoa character from any char on the wood. Any alcohol character should be smooth and balanced, not hot. Some background oxidation character is optional and can take on a pleasant sherry-like character and not be papery or cardboard-like. Should not have added alcohol character. This beer oxidizes balls. Is it? At least it smells like it. It does smell like it. I haven't tasted it yet, but yeah. It, it just smells almost resinous. I'm not getting a resiny character. I'm getting that, like, that strong cardboard uh, character. Um, yeah, I didn't pick that up that. a lot, though, when we did the Yeah, and I'm super sensitive testing. to it. Yeah. So um, so I'm getting a lot of that. 
And I, I honestly can't get past it. I can't pull anything else. Uh, hopefully you can. Yeah, what I pull, for, it's like resinous and piney. Okay. Um, so if uh, if you guys listen to the DOO where we tried the different off flavors on purpose, um, Casey was pretty sensitive to that oxidized character. I was not. Um, I was very sensitive to DMS. DMS. Um, but for me, I pick up a lot of like, like, like pine woods aroma on this. So if that's what's supposed to be there, that's what I'm picking up. Um, I don't pick up. I I, I don't feel like this. It fits style though. Like I'm not, I do get oxidation. Um, but it, it's it's not something like I'm not I'm not picking past. up wood. I'm not picking up any of like whatever like whatever the base beer is because uh, this is an imperial stout. I would think I would be picking up like some cocoa, some chocolate, some yeah. coffee, something in there. Well, even even without the oxidation, I'm picking up a lot of like hop aroma. Yeah. Well, um, and, it, and it says it should not be paper. Uh, anyway, we're spending too much time on aroma here. All right, appearance varies uh, base with style. Oh, varies with base style. Okay. Yeah. Uh, often darker than the unadulterated bur- uh, base beer style, particularly if toasted or charred barrels are used. Okay. Okay. Um, well, our appearance is, here. It's dark. This. Yeah. It is a very dark It's beer. pitch black. Yep. According to the patented beer light. There you go. Come at it from the side. Never go straight on with the camera. Yeah, it's just dark, just black. Um, so. Black as night. No, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing's getting through there. Nothing, nothing shines through. It's it's very black. All right, now the important bit. I'm kind of terrified. Yeah, I think we might have gotten a style that's not going to work. Or um, we might have gotten a beer that's not going to work. Right, yeah, a beer that's not going to work for the style. That's fine, though. That happens. Um, but... Uh, varies with base style. Tastes better than smells. Uh, wood usually contributes a woody or oaky flavor, which can occasionally take on raw green flavor if new wood is used. Other flavors that may optionally be present include vanilla from vanillin to in the wood, uh, caramel, butterscotch, toasted breads or almonds from toasted wood, and coffee, chocolate, cocoa from charred wood. The wood and or other cask-derived cask flavors should be balanced, supportive and noticeable, but should not overpower the base beer style. Some background oxidation character is optional, although this should take on a pleasant sherry-like character and not be papery or cardboard-like. All right, so flavor-wise, this tastes way better than it smells. I still pick up a lot of papery uh, flavors, but I can get past that, and I can get into some of the chocolate, some of the vanilla. Um, there's, uh, there's like, some woody astringency, which I like. Okay. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm headed for the three-taste rule. Really on the back end. That papery 
cardboard comes out. Honestly, if somebody said, hey, should I buy this beer? I would tell them no. Yeah. I don't like it. And like I like maybe it was stored warm. Like I I don't know. I yeah, picked I picked them up at Total out. Wine in Woodbury, and they like most of the, some of their beers they store well. Some of them they just kind of throw on a shelf and they sit for a while. Yeah. So, so I get a woody flavor. Um, it's not oaky. It's almost more like piney. Um, on the front end for me. <sighs> Not like pine, like from the hops. It's more like pine wood. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it's not oaky. It's not like super pleasant, like smoked wood or anything like that. And there's really no like defining characters. Like there's no caramel, butterscotch, toasted bread, almonds, coffee, chocolate, cocoa. It's just kind of. It tastes a lot like roast malt with some pine wood. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, this is supposed to be vanilla oak-aged, Yeti. I don't even get vanilla out of it. So, as far as commercial examples on this beer, probably not this one. Oh, no, no, not at all. Um... I I don't think that the vanilla messed with it. I think probably storage or age or a combination of those things yep. have created an issue with it. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to slam Great Divide for doing a bad thing. No, I... This I, one specifically that we're trying... I don't I don't no. want to slam a brewery unless I know that, like they really fucked up somewhere. Yeah. They an oxidation issue in a bottle like this. I have no idea how how old this bottle is. Right. Wait, you're looking though. It's pretty young. Oh. Well, yeah, it is actually. It should not be oxidized like that. No, I well, I mean I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad about a brewery. <laughs> I do. I want to say that April 20th, 2018, when we're recording this two months later, less than two months, it should not be oxidized. Um, So, actually, this is partially the brewery's fault, for sure. I shouldn't have looked. Um, I shouldn't have looked, because now I know. It's okay. It's okay. So, like, yeah, it's fine, because we didn't buy, like, an old bottle. True. And it, so, Great Divide, if you're listening, send us a new one, because this one's bad. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, contact us. And I've had, to, I think I've, I've had, I've had, I've had, I've, I've had Great Divide beers, and they've have, been good. I, I don't two. know if I've, I don't think I've had Yeti. I've um, had Yeti from Great Divide. I haven't had any right. aged ones Where Where are we at again? I just went through Flavor. Okay, so mouthfeel varies with base style. Wood can add tannins to the beer depending on the age of the cask. The tannins can lead to additional astringency, which should never be high, or simply a fuller mouthfeel. Tart or acidic characters should be low to none and never distracting. You gonna die? I might. It was so <laughs> oxidized. Comments. Yeah, this beer should not be oxidized at this age, but uh, let's talk about some comments. I'm gonna go back to some Guinness. Yeah, that's a good idea. 
The base beer style should be apparent. The wood-based character should be evident, but not so dominant to unbalance the beer. The intensity of the wood-based flavors is based on the contact time with the wood, the age condition, and origin and char of, uh, of the barrel. Char level of the barrel. And for the type of wood... The, this, this category, category should not be used, used for, for base styles where wood aging is a fundamental requirement for the style. That's all in caps? Yeah, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah, Gary, calm down. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a, that's a really big, like, important thing, because you don't want people just being like, well, I, I, put, I put wood in my Flanders, so that means it's wood age. I agree. I just hate when people put things in all caps in any context, because chill the fuck out. Well, no, this is this is a very, like, this is the time when you use caps. I don't When agree. it's something very, in fact, that should be bolded as well. That I should be agree. capped and bolded be like, yo, yo, yo. It's out of listen control. To this. I don't believe. I don't agree with it. I mean, it's a long but sentence either for way, all caps. Um, I, 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 I'm just trying to compliment Gary on a thing example is Flanders Red and Lambic. Alambic, uh, um, I'm sorry. In italics. Beers made using either limited wood aging or products that only provide a subtle background character may be entered in the base beer style categories as long as the wood character isn't predominantly featured. There's that. Oh, because I was giving you shit about pronunciation. I don't, I don't think I talked about this last time. I, I finally got to the bottom <laughs> of the double and double debate. Yeah? Yeah. They're both right, and it's fucking irritating. Well, that's not cool. No, so... Because <laughs> we wanted to argue. It depends on right. who in Belgium you talk to. If you're talking to <laughs> a, a Dutch speaker or a French speaker. Oh. <laughs> so what's what with those? Uh, French is double. Double. Uh, Dutch is double. Mm. I like the Dutch better because I like double. <laughs> I just like I, I that that was one thing I had to get answered while I was over there. I think that's fair. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I didn't this is the first I'm hearing of it and I'm happy about it. It's because I just remembered like <laughs> I so I, I got off the train a little buzzed and I was like, all right, now I need to find Belgian people. <laughs> You're Belgian, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they love answering that question. Actually, every Belgian person I met was super nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, history. Uh, traditional production method that is rarely used by major breweries and usually only with special products or specialty products. More popular with modern American craft breweries looking for new distinctive products. Oak cask and barrels are traditional, although other woods are becoming more popular. Interesting. Some characteristic ingredients of this style. Varies with base style. Aged in wooden casks or barrels using wood-based additives, wood chips, wood staves, or oak essence. Uh, fully Fuller-bodied, higher-gravity base styles often are used since they can best stand up to the additional flavors. Although experimentation is encouraged. So, you this, should try different stuff. This is where we get into 
the fun bit of the show, I think. Yeah, this is where you should put a fruit beer into a cask and save it for four years. We're not trying to sour something. No? No. No. But experimentation is encouraged. I mean, you can do that. Uh, (laughs) I was talking about for us, what beer are we going to Wood Edge? Because I'm thinking we go over all of our successful styles. All at this point, I think we have at least 50 of them. Yeah, we got we got a good amount. 50, 55. I don't I don't know what number. Oh, uh, actually, this is episode said it. We 70. Did. We have 60, 60 or 61 successful beers under our belt. We did a good Russian Imperial Stout. Those always like would age well. I mean, and hear me out. And I'm I'm saying this for a very selfish reason. Okay. We brew a 10-gallon batch of Tropical Stout. Yeah. Wood age, half of it. And then we have another five gallons of regular Tropical Stout. So, uh, number one, I'm always on board with brewing more Tropical Stout. Uh-huh. Uh, tropical paradox. As or, we uh, yeah, it's tropical paradox. My main concern is that is that going to age well? I think so. At what is it? Five and a half percent. Yeah. I, well, so we don't they, like we're not talking about aging beers because you can have. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, we're 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 talking about wood beers. I guess I get those mixed up. Well, I mean, and and it is like it is technically wood age, but basically we're just looking for the woody character in the beer. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm thinking. Uh, some oak would add an interesting complexity to Tropical Paradox. And yeah. if nothing else, we still get another five gallons of Tropical so Paradox. So I'm thinking that with within like a month and a half, we have more Tropical Paradox to drink. And then if it doesn't work out on this, we just give it a thumbs down. And, and then we do fine. something else. Right. So let's do that. Okay. Like I mean, <laughs> it was it was just an idea that I had because yeah. I was trying to figure out how to work Tropical Paradox into the brewing no, schedule. And I actually thought of that when we were talking about it. And I was like, eh, it might not age well. But then I was like, your point is good. Like, because yeah, if we bump the if we bump it up to ten gallons, we're not like it's still the same amount of time to brew. Right. So we might as well. And then we sneak out with a little bit of, like five gallons of. Of Tropical Paradox that we want to drink. Exactly. And, and we get some wood aid Tropical Paradox, which might even be better. It might, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking some actually, oak staves in there, like, would be, or some oak spirals. I, I, I agree with you because I don't think it could get, I don't think that that could make it really worse. No, it might make it the same, like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Yeah. Or it might be the thing that puts it over the edge. And it definitely could, because Tropical Paradox is fantastic. But now, the, the real question is, do we go toasted oak staves or straight oak? I'm thinking toasted, because that'll add more of, like, the vanilla marshmallow. Yeah, I like that. I like the toasted. I think that'll work. And we'll be getting toward fall by the time we're drinking it. Well, I mean, I can bump it up the brew list. Uh, but still, like, we'll be well, getting so toward be the end August. of summer. We'll be getting toward the end of summer. The, well, the height of Wisconsin summer. August, September. Is that what you consider? That's Wisconsin the hottest summer? bit. Well, August is the hottest, but the end of July and the beginning of August, I consider I don't, like the it's hottest. it's weird because like 
I say fall doesn't start until October, and then like we I get agree, we get like two weeks of fall, and then month. it's yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it'll be ready still in, in warm months. Yeah, and that's fine. That's when we want it. I think that's fine. All right, so we're gonna take tropical uh, paradox, tropical paradox, and drop toasted oak staves into it. Yep. And see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then if it turns out terrible, we still have five gallons of tropical paradox, and that's. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, and wanna... this is what we call hedging our bets. <laughs> <laughs> because I want that anyway. That's kind of where it ends up, is we just really want this thing. Uh, sorry, we're not coming up with a new recipe on this episode, but when you get into these wood age things, it's yeah. it's better to take a tried and true recipe that you know. Well, that's that's true about the recipe, or about the style, for, sh- for sure. Um. At least that, that's how I feel. I like to take something tried and true and then wood age it. Well, that's the thing is it doesn't matter either way. Like we could create a new recipe for this, but then if our recipe creates a bad base beer, it'll create a bad wood age beer. Yep. We have a recipe that creates a fantastic base beer. So let's wood age it. Yep. And I think that, that's probably the best way to approach it. I think that's a good way to go. We could approach it from the other way, but... But why? It's a little bit... Like, it's more variables, and it's less reliable. Yeah. And then also, like, a healthy dose of we get Tropical Paradox out of it. Well, so. no, there's, that's, <laughs> that's that's honestly, like, the biggest win right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I and I recommend that for most homebrewers. Uh, I mean, yeah. you're homebrewing. Everything you do is not a huge investment. So if you want to do a new recipe, go for it. But I think if you're looking to grow as a brewer, I think you get a lot more from doing a batch and then, like, dialing that recipe in a little bit. Right. And which, I mean, yeah, I say dial it in. And we really haven't, we haven't rebrewed anything. That's coming up. After we're done with this, this is more of a brewing gauntlet, if you yeah. will, uh, to like get get used to recipe creation and the styles and all that. But um, if like if you have a house beer, like right. and like I have a house beer recipe, and I think I've shared it on the show. If I haven't, I should do that uh, in one mm-hmm. of these episodes. But I think every every home brewer builds up their like house beer recipe. The one that they brew, you know, every couple of months just to keep it on tap. And right. That people are like, oh, you got any more of that? Yeah. Um, and so that's the one I think you want to experiment with. You want to take that. You want to, you know, throw it in a barrel, see what it does. You want to add some fruit to it, see what it see does. See what happens, yeah. Because that's the one where you have the most knowledge about it. You know what little variations happen. And right. And you're you used know, to the flavor of it. You know, like, doing that new experiment, what that experiment has done to it versus what that beer is exactly so like you like us using tropical paradox we know what that beer is we've had that beer before we brewed it so if it tastes awful we know that wood aging that beer is not a good idea or we know okay it's not the wood age that happened there was some bacterial thing in there right there was this thing that went wrong but we know it wasn't the recipe that mm-hmm. caused the issue. Yeah. Like we know it wasn't the base beer. That it gives was you something problem. to rule out. Right. And that and that's I think what's it. 
fantastic idea about using a beer that we've done before. Yep. And Tropical Paradox is one of... Tropical Paradox, for me, is in the top three, if not the number one beer that we've brewed. Really? It's above the Australian? Well, that's why I said top three, if not. So... I don't know. There's there's a few Australian in here. Cream and Tropical Paradox are, like, the top three for I me. I don't know. I really liked... Uh, I think it was the American Pale Ale that we did with... Uh, that was good, too. Uh, New Zealand hops. That was really good. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, Tropical Paradox is in the top three for sure. Yeah. Any of the bitters that we've done have disappeared immediately. Well, yeah, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. We've I guess I, part, of, part of Tropical Paradox was that it surprised me. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be what it was i thought it would be good i didn't expect it to be mind-blowing like it and oh no yeah to me that beer surprised the hell out of everybody all right so um let's see i think that brings us to the other thing oh i was gonna say one more thing you guys know like talking about uh you know doing you know homebrewing is about experimentation like that's what it's about but at the same time I have always been the biggest proponent of learn your bases before you experiment. Don't come out of the gate doing, hey, I'm going to do a fruit aged, like fruit barrel aged coconut <laughs> porter. Right. Like, no. Like, do a half of Eisen. Do, like, do some easier stuff. Like, right. do a cream ale. Like, do a cream ale, see, like, where your mistakes are, because there's nothing to hide behind. Do a half of Eisen, because they're damn easy to make, and there's right. a lot of shit to hide behind. Do a, do a porter. Do something like that. Get it in your brewing process. Then start experimenting. Right. Like, once once you kind of have a handle on stuff, because then you're going to... If your base beer is good, then when you experiment with it, it's going to elevate it that much up. If your right. base beer is shit... I don't care what you add to it. You could add crack cocaine to that beer, and it's still going to drop it down. Like, right. I mean, I'm going to keep drinking more of it because, because I'll be crack. addicted. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, like, you have to have a good base beer to experiment on. Yeah. Like, and I need to get off my preachy high horse. Well, it, it's true, though. Like, that's that's not even beer that's anything. Like, if you want to experiment with stuff, you have to have something to start on. Yep. You have to have something to base your experiments upon. Well, but so many people, and then go like, out. approach homebrewing from a completely different, like, angle. They're like, well, I'm making beer, and, like, you know, the first thing I want to do is I want to make a beer that I've never had before. I always thought these yeah. flavors could go well in a beer. Well, you can do that. Right. And your friends will tell you that it's good. Mm-hmm. Because friends are liars who just want free beer. Right. That is that is one hundred percent the truth. Well, I you, don't. <laughs> you also have the unreliability that your friends may not have the best palate for beer. Well, well, yeah, but it's I don't know. It's one of those things. It's where, a bunch of things combined. Yeah. Um. But like, if you have a good understanding of what your base beer is and what it tastes like. You can have a lot more control over your experimentation. Yeah. And I've gotten flack about conversations like this in the past from listeners. <laughs> well, why why are you so mean? Why don't you like experiment? I, it's, I like experimentation. 
I feel like the basics need to be covered first. I do too. I I agree with that. Like experimentation well, is good when you have something to experimentate or to experiment from. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where I mean we're all guilty of it when we start. Like we all get a little overconfident. We all you know push ourselves a little far, and we're like, "Oops, oops, gotta pull that one back." <laughs> But uh, also, like, I've I've judged beer competitions. I've tasted some of the beers that people are submitting. <laughs> and some of them could use a little work. It's some growing to do. Yes. Yeah. No, and it's, it's one of those things where they had a, they had a lot of really good ideas, but they didn't cover the basics. Yeah. All right. We got way too preachy at the end of there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, dick joke. Uh, uh, how long is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Penis. Oh, man, that got real, real for a second. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. And again, sorry for getting a little preachy there at the end, but I... I really want you guys to all be better brewers. That's kind of where I'm coming from. It's it, it comes from a place of love, not of criticism. Yeah. Just remember that. We want to be better better brewers too. Yep, because a better brand of beef makes a butter burger better. Um, butter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, if you'd like to support us, head over to Patreon.com/slash Blindness and become a patron today. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnessstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Studios. You can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. We're also live every Sunday with the Department of at 6 p.m. Central Time and live Monday at 8 p.m. Central for The Legends of Lothos uh, on twitch.tv slash Studio. so make sure you guys check that out. Um, if you want to see all more of our lovely faces, become a patron, uh, as you heard about before, and then you guys get access to all the rest of our shows on live feed, except for Soundwave, because we haven't figured out how to do that one live without getting taken off YouTube. <laughs> Which doesn't bode well if that show ever blows up, because we yeah. will get sued. So, uh... <laughs> Whoops. We'll see you guys next week. We'll deal with that when it happens. <laughs> Bye. Bye.